yeah, 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 uh, yeah, 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 uh, look, uh, ball playing, ball playing, no watching from the side, said that you got him next, well go ahead and show What's up everybody, welcome to another edition of Up Next, the podcast where we tell you who's up next in youth sports. Uh, today we got a special guest, we're gonna, we're just gonna talk about uh, good old NBA Knicks Nets uh, professional basketball kind of stuff. I'm Jamal Murphy. Of course, I got my co-host extraordinaire Khalid Green in the house. What's up? Peace, man. I got my guy on today, man. I go back, go back from the uh, high school days when he used yes. to cover cover Lachlan, and wow. so I'm happy to have him here, Ian Bagley, in the house, man. It's yes. So good to be with you guys, man. Yes, sir. So with you guys, thank you for having me. And uh, Khalid, I'll always remember being in either the Lachlan gym or maybe it was a Christ the King where I first saw you. I think you guys had beaten Christ the King maybe. Yeah. And you had, there was like a, a summer thing where I think Javon Pinkston, I don't know if he was in, I don't know how old he was. He was young. Right. And he was just killing everybody in, the, right. in, in Brooklyn. I forget what gym we were in, but I, I was just like, wow. Yeah, it'd be good, and you absolutely. were there. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Let me let me find out. Khalid was was upset in Christ the King. <laughs> Wasn't the upset then, man? <laughs> nah, they locked him with stacks. <laughs> uh, no, nah, I hear you. Well, let's let, Ian, let's get let's get right into it. You you know, like I said, we usually do uh, uh, youth sports, and, and we get these young kids and find out you know what got them started. So. Along those same lines, how, how did you get started in the business? Were you always like a sports fanatic like we were? Yeah, I loved sports growing up. Um, I liked writing. And, uh, you know, I can't jump over a credit card. So I knew I wasn't going to be a pro athlete. And so it was just a way to kind of marry both passions. And, you know, in college, I started studying journalism. And I worked for the paper in town down there. I went to the University of Richmond, so the Richmond Times Dispatch down there is where I worked, and I really got into it. Really enjoyed it. Had a passion, <clears throat> passion for it, and uh, you know was just fortunate enough to then land uh, a job at the Daily News, and then went over to uh, ESPN, and and you know just really lucky along the way because this industry, as you guys know, it's a competitive industry. It's a tough industry, um, and so just feel fortunate to have taken the path that I took. But it really started with you know, passion for sports, passion for writing. I like talking to people too. So mm-hmm. just all those things kind of blending together. Good stuff. Um, so yeah, let's, let's get into uh, some Knicks nets or NBA in general, but I wanted to start with the draft. Um, and I, I thought, you know, you know how the Knicks are and you know how the fans are. Um, and they've, they've, they've had a few swinging swingings and misses uh, over the years in the draft. I thought mm-hmm. this draft actually looked, you know, pretty good for them. I, you know, I was a big fan of Obi Toppin. You know, I cover the college game, and uh, he was the best player in the nation last year, pretty by far. I thought. Um, so, what did what did you think about that pick? And what do you what did you what do you think the Knicks think about that pick? Do they think they got a steal? Well, he was their target pretty much. I don't want to say all along because I know there was you know diverse opinions among the front office, but. He was a target for them, for sure. And, you know, the thinking was from other teams, too, that he was going to go top five, so he wasn't going to be there for the Knicks. And so I think they got fortunate in that respect because they were thinking about having to trade up to Cleveland 
on draft day, draft night, to get up and take Obi, but ended up falling to them when the Cavs took Isaac Okoro. So that seemed to be a fortunate uh, uh, break of events for the Knicks because they didn't have to give up anything to get their guy. You know, certainly cred- incredibly talented player, uh, local, local, local guy, so Knicks fans like that. Uh, obviously, work to do on the defensive end. I think that's where, you know, he'll reach his ceiling or he won't reach his – if he becomes a capable defender and continues to progress on the offensive end the way, you know, we've seen him in the college game do, he's going to be a very good player. Um, but like all young players, he's got to work on his defense. And if you're going to be a young player and you're going to need to work on your defense, you're in a pretty good hands with Tom Thibodeau. So it's going to mm. be to see how the coaching staff – can help bring him along, not only this year, but in the years ahead. They got a uh, point guard at the end of the draft, right? Yes. Uh, from Kentucky. Mm-hmm. Um, what, what, do they, what, do they, what do they feel about him? What's their projection for him? Is he going to be a backup, or do they think he can eventually start maybe this year or in the coming years? My guess is that Tom Thibodeau is not going to start quickly this year. But I think that, you know, the, the point guard situation, the backcourt situation – the whole roster, it's totally fluid because they don't have a lot of players that are here beyond this year. And so you could easily see, you know, if quickly shows that he can handle things night in and night out in the NBA, that he could be elevated to a starting spot, you know, eventually with this Nick team. I don't think it's going to happen. I'd be surprised if it happened this year because they have guys like Austin Rivers, Alfred Payton, you know, Alec Burks, different veterans who could fill in the one and the two in the backcourt. But uh, obviously, the hope for the Knicks is eventually quickly becomes that that starting player who could play the one of the two. And they, they like his shooting and they think that he could be a good player on defense. So um, some people thought it was a reach. Take him at 25. But I mean, the draft is so all over the place. Right. Right. How, do you, how can you even really know until right. let's get on the court in the league? Absolutely. So, so it was the shooting that they really liked because it was a, it kind of it was a surprise to me. Um, you know, he, he never really jumped off the page to me, you know, when I watched Kentucky game. So it was, that's what it was, the shooting. I think it was the, the shooting and the athleticism and how that might translate to the defensive end. Um, and the interesting thing there is obviously with Kentucky, uh, a Kentucky player, Ken, uh, Kenny Payne, the assistant coach on the Knicks with that Kentucky. So he's going to have a strong working knowledge of the players in that program. And obviously, Leon Rose, William Wesley have strong ties to John Calipari. So uh, I'm sure there was a familiarity there. Right. And, you know, we'll see if they got it right. Because I think you leave yourself open to criticism if you're the Knicks, if you're acquiring CAA players and Kentucky players and CAA is Leon Rose's former agency, and the plan doesn't work out, right? right. So if it works out and Toppin's great and Quickly's great, Nobody's going to care, you know, where they went to school or who their agents are, topping the right. A player. Um, but if it doesn't work out, then you're kind of going to get second guess. So it's just going to be interesting to see how it all plays out. Speaking of Kentucky, where, where are their thoughts right now regarding Kevin Knox? Because he's kind of been disappointing, um, you know, in the Nick jersey so far. Uh, do they have high hopes on him? Do they think Kenny Payne can help develop him a little more? Or, you know, where are they at with him? Well, I think if you talk to people around Knox, they say he had a good offseason. They say that, you know, based on what he did in that, the bubble, the practices that the Knicks had in the bubble, that he looked good and that the Knicks feel good about him and, and the work that he did in the offseason. Um, but 
generally the the regime you know hasn't been so enthused about what they've seen from Kevin from uh, not a worker standpoint but just I guess a motor day in and day out but you know the people around Kevin say hey he's he's locked in possession by possession now he, he's he's going at 100 percent every possession so uh if he, he's got to show it though this year because this is a new regime you know Leon Rose didn't draft him and when you didn't draft the players on your roster. You have no allegiance to them. You don't need to make them look good to, to make yourself look good. And so I think this is a, a, a make or break year for Knox, for Dennis Smith Jr., and for Frank Nelikina. Mm-hmm. What about, you mentioned the, the, the new brass with the Knicks. Uh, you know, how, how is that looking? You know, who, who's making the decisions? I know Scott Perry is, is still there, right? Scott's still here, general manager. Uh, uh-huh. under Leon Rose and he uh, he's here for one year he's on a one-year deal so I think you know if it goes well you could see him sticking around beyond this year uh, and a lot of the people underneath Steve Mills and uh, Scott Perry previous regime are still here a lot of the scouts um, so I think because of the pandemic like it, it became a difficult situation to have all this turnover and clean house if you're Leon Rose and bring in a whole new staff because you take over in March and you're trying to scout for the draft. You don't know when the draft is. So right. because of the intel that the people in place already had, you know, they stayed on through the draft. They're going to, some of them are going to stay on through this season. And then I think the assessment will take place, you know, now and during the season, and then we'll see where they are um, after this year. And, but Leon did bring in some other front office people I mentioned William Wesley, uh, Galler was, cap guy from the Cavs who is going to do a lot for the Knicks. Leon Rose is going to lean on him. So he made some additions and some subtractions, but he didn't totally turn the whole thing over. So in terms of expectations this year for the Knicks, I know that this is, it's tricky, but do they have any, I mean, do you, you know, is this, I mean, we got Thibodeau who's got to, he's one of the, one of the most competitive uh, coaches out there for sure. Um, do they have any real expectations? Like, are you thinking like trying to get the eighth seed or are we total rebuild mode? They're going to try to win like day in, day out. I think Thibodeau's mindset is going to be let's win games. And I think that that's going to help them no matter what the record is, it's going to help them because if your mentality is, you know, losing mentality, we're going to tank this year that affects your players and that could hurt long-term like young players that you're trying to develop. So, I don't think the record's going to be good. I don't, I'd be surprised if they were, you know, anywhere near the eighth seed. But I think they're going to, if they're a Tom Thibodeau coach team, they're going to play hard night in and night out. And he's going to try to put them in position to win every night. So uh, I think in the best case scenario for the Knicks, that builds winning habits, that builds that winning culture that every team tries to put in place. And then maybe a couple of the young guys take a leap forward and then maybe you look differently to some free agents out there once you get back into the next offseason. Let's segue to the uh, to the Brooklyn Nets. Let's go across the river, baby. Yeah, yes. Across, <laughs> across the river where, where I'm at now, where we're, where we're both at in Brooklyn. Um, obviously, higher expectations over here. Yeah, for uh, sure. But, you know, it's it's still unknown. What do you, what do you like, what are the big concerns if, if you're the Nets right now? Man, I'm, I would say that, I'm going to start interviewing your co-host on that one. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I think, well, like, you know, 
anybody could see like the concern with Steve Nash and then the two superstars, Kevin Durant, and Kyrie Irving. Um, anytime you're a head coach, even with a great amount of experience, it's a challenge to come in and keep a roster, like keep everybody on the same page, keep everybody, every player happy when you ha- are also having two superstars at the top. I think it becomes more of a challenge when you don't have that head coaching experience. And that's what Steve Nash is coming in with. No head coaching experience. I know they put together an experienced bench underneath them. Right. Um, so I think that's going to help him. But, you know, the expectations are sky high. So uh, it, you're, you're coming in with a head coach with that experience. You have Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, who've never played together, uh, two incredible talents. And then you have a roster underneath them where guys are going to have to change their roles and accept different roles because Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving are, are going to be leading this thing. So there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of things that have to fit well together. Um, so it's a, it's a tough situation, but whenever you have two of the top players in the NBA uh, and you're starting five night in and night out, you're going to win a lot of games. I think it's just a matter of how they coalesce over the course of the season, what they're, where, where they are health-wise going into the playoffs, uh, but certainly, talents there. They should be, you know, the top, uh, one of the top, if not the top team in the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I was talking to Jamal before you came on, uh, Ian, and I said to me the biggest, my biggest concern, if I'm them, is what you just mentioned is health, because yes. Kyrie usually doesn't make it through a whole season. Yeah, and KD, as you know, is coming off the catastrophic injury. So, um, and I've been in that uh, around Sean Marks. He's very uh, detail oriented when it comes to, you know, keeping guys healthy and he, he's very conservative with that. So I know that has to be one of the main things and on their mind as far as, you know, the success, what it means to the success of the season. Yeah. You have to like, you know, almost plan for those guys to miss games and uh, especially, you know, with COVID and everything else, it, you know, it could get tricky for, for every team, but particularly, right like the Nets, which might, you know, top players might be dealing with bumps and bruises regardless. So uh, the interesting thing there is like Spencer Dinwiddie, you know, there was a lot of talk about are they going to trade him in this offseason, you know, because it doesn't appear like there's an obvious big role for him on this team with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving on board. But you look at the flip side, and if you think your top guys are going to be missing games, you're going to need somebody like Spencer Dinwiddie to come in and play big minutes on those nights and help you win some of those games when Durant or Irving or somebody else is out. So you don't see the, uh, the Harden trade going down. Ah, I don't, I think it depends on how this, the season starts, right? Cause let's say the Nets start out, I don't know, like eight and two or, or, or 12 and two, whatever. They're really strong starting out. I think you just, you ride that out. I mean, obviously if they stumble, it's going to be a different story and it's going to be a lot of noise around the nets um, because of the Harden thing. But I think it depends on how they, they start the season out because Houston seems pretty committed to starting out with Harden and wall and trying to convince Harden, change his mind, get him to stay. Um, so I think they're not in a rush to make a deal. So a lot of it will have to, a lot of it will be determined by, you know, the first couple of weeks of the season, seeing where things go. I also think, you know, Philly too, I think, if they stumble out of the gate, uh, I could see Daryl Morey making a strong play for Harden. Obviously, that means trading Ben Simmons and, and shaking things up in a major way. But, uh, you know, that's why I would keep an eye on the first few weeks of the season and see how these teams do. And I think that will affect 
the climate for potential big trades around James Harden. Speaking of that, John Wall, Russell Westbrook trade, who do you think got the better of that deal? <laughs> I, the only reason I'm going to say Washington is because John Wall hasn't played in so long. And so, you know, what's he going to be? I know the players who played with him over the offseason say he looks great. Um, and that's – I hope he comes back and looks great. And that's fantastic. But I think also if you look at Westbrook and Beal, I'm not a scout, right? I'm not an expert. But it seems to me like that's a better natural fit as a pairing than Wall and Harden because, you know, both of those guys need the ball a lot. And, you know, obviously Westbrook has the ball in his hands. But – if Beal could be like a floor spacer, you know, Westbrook's going to get him and the Bertons and their other shooters a lot of great open looks. So it seems like a better natural pairing, yeah. Beal and Westbrook, than um, Wall and Harden. I agree. Do you think they can make any noise in the East? Yeah. You do? Definitely. If everybody's healthy, I mean, the <clears throat> the way that lineup is set up, you're, getting, you're putting shooters around Westbrook. and. We've seen how that works before. Like those teams are really successful. So, and it, it puts him in his best position too. Um, so I, I could see them winning a bunch of games if everybody's healthy. See them definitely getting into that the playoff picture. So before before we let you go, I mean the the elephant in the room, and you mentioned it earlier, is uh, COVID nineteen, um, and we've seen what's going on with the other leagues, the NFL. Um, it's you know it's kind of ravaging the NFL. They they're, they're plowing on, no problem, but. You know, college basketball, they continue, they continue to, uh, you know, to press forward. So that seems like what all these leagues are doing. You know, we, we've, we've all we've made a decision. We know it's bad, but we're just, just going to try to get through it. And whatever happens, happens. Um, the NBA, who was who was the model of this stuff before with the bubble and doing everything carefully now is basically doing what the rest of these leagues are doing, where, you know, you're having home and away games. What's your take on that? And, and how, I mean, it's unpredictable, but, you know, how do you see it playing out? I think it's inevitable that, you know, games are going to be postponed and you're going to have players out for this. I mean, it's just that this is just the situation everybody's in. So the only way to, to protect everybody from it would be to do a bubble, but there was no appetite uh, from the players, which mm-hmm. I really understand, to do a bubble uh, during this season. But, you know, their, I guess their hope is, and I don't really have optimism about this, I guess their hope is over the course of the season, you know, things improve with the virus and you know, vaccine comes, whatever. And then when you get towards the, you know, playoffs, finals, you can get into a situation where things are more normal and, you know, you have fans. But I think it's going to be tough sledding, man, just to get through these games over the winter. You see the numbers all across the country. There's no avoiding it, especially if you're traveling. You're spending time together indoors uh, in group settings. I mean, it's just it's it's you check off all the boxes of what the experts say to avoid. This is what NBA teams are going to be forced to do to get through this season. So it, there's there's no way that you're going to totally avoid you know players unfortunately getting ill or cancellation of games. And what about from your perspective in the media? Um, are you know can media be at games? Will you will you go to games? How is that working? Right, so the media can be at games. I'm a, I haven't fully decided yet. Um, I think maybe for the early. And, and is it you haven't decided yeah. or your wife? Huh? <laughs> 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 
yeah, it's not, it's not a democracy over here. It's not a democracy. It's one vote. The only vote that counts is not mine. Absolutely. Right. <laughs> My wife hasn't decided yet. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I'll probably play it safe early on, see how it goes. Uh, if there's an advantage to being in the building, I'll, I'll go probably later on in the season. But early on, I'm just going to see how it goes and, and play it safer because, you know, we're all trying to stay safe here. Absolutely. Well, all right, Ian, you know, thank you for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule to join us. I know you got to hop back on uh, some business, but we really appreciate it. Ian Begley, NBA reporter, SNY, uh, formerly at ESPN and the Daily News. Um, always uh, appreciate talking to you and hopefully we we'll get you back on soon. I appreciate I you guys, man. Thank you for having me. We'd love to come back soon. Right, Thanks, thank Ian. Thank you. Anytime, fellas. Take care. You too. Peace. All right. So we got we got our little NBA uh, Knicks Nets fix from the insider Ian Begley, uh, NBA reporter for SNY. And, you know, interesting stuff, man. This stuff is wide open. NBA is always fun. You never know what's going to happen. But now, I mean, COVID-19, I mean, this is crazy. We don't know. We don't know what it's going to look like. Yeah, this is uh, surreal times. Um, but great having my guy Ian Bagley on to talk NBA talk. Uh, you know, the, the Knicks are the Knicks, but the Nets are, you know, exciting. And the <laughs> NBA is always a soap opera. So, right. you know, like he said, the first 10 days or first two weeks of the NBA season, we might see some some blockbuster trades. We might have the beard in Brooklyn or, or in Philly. Who knows? That would be crazy. That would be crazy. Yeah. And, yo, uh, the, the NBA starts soon, okay? Yes, uh, yes. I think preseason games start December 11th. I'm excited, man. You know, I, I I'm I got my popcorn ready, and you know, I told my lady you could watch Lifetime in the other room all you want, but I'm watching this basketball over here. <laughs> no, it's on. It's on. No fa- no fans in the stands, but there'll be fans uh, in, in, on the couch. Yep, yep, sure. yep. So I'm excited. Uh, my early season prediction: I I have the Lakers winning it again. Really? Yeah. So you, you you think it's like easy or it's going to be I don't real, I don't I don't think it's going to be easy but I mean you know you have a happy happy LeBron James you have a happy Anthony Davis True and with the, the addition of Harrell and mm-hmm. uh the point guard uh Schroeder. I forgot his Schroeder. yeah Schroeder I think mm-hmm. they they've been up, upgraded so I have the Lakers and uh going against the Brooklyn Nets Oh wow so you got you got the Nets uh, putting it all together and getting there. Yeah, long as everybody stays healthy. <laughs> <laughs> that's the that's the one caveat. <laughs> See, I think I think the East is t- is tough. You know what I'm saying? I think it's tougher. I don't think I don't think Miami was a was a fluke. I think they're for real. They're gonna they're gonna be there. They're gonna bring it every night. I think Boston. You know, I think Tatum and Brown are only gonna get better. So that right. so if those dudes take a jump. For, and they were already all stars last last season. Right. Um, Tatum was a real all star. Brown was all star level. Yeah, he's right um, there. Yeah. So, I, and I think those guys will get better. So I think Boston's even better. But you got Kemba, who's who seems to have a, a serious knee injury. Yeah. Um. So we'll see there. On in the West, yes, I I I, I agree with you. I think the Lakers got better. Um. But I think you know Denver is, is get will get better because their young guys will get better. Um, the Clippers, I think, made some nice signings. Um, you know, Lou might be a better fit as a coach. We'll see. 
They were, I, I had picked the Clippers. I, I thought the Clippers would win it all last season. So yeah, they let me down last huge, year. So. Huge disappointment. So I'm yeah, I'm jumping off that bandwagon. <laughs> <laughs> now watch them win it this year. <laughs> exactly. Well, if they do, then they, they, you better start giving Ty, uh, Tyron Lue his credit. No question. No if they question. win it this year after that disappointment last year, you got to give it to him. Absolutely. Absolutely. For putting so. it together. So we'll see. It's gonna be a, it'll be a fun season regardless. So even the Knicks will be fun. Uh, to watch, you know, regardless of their record, because we can see uh, if Obi Toppin develops and some of their other young guys. So, yeah, this is a, this is also going to be a big year for R.J. Barrett. He's going to have right. to, you know, step into a bigger role with the Knicks, and you know, uh, hopefully, he, his shooting got better. Right. I mean, you know, and that's what he says he was built for. So, I mean, it should yeah. this this should be what he wants. Remember, he, he you know, we talked to Elijah Fisher. On the podcast, right. uh, shout out to Canada. He, he's supposed to be he's supposed to be Canada's uh, greatest ever. Absolutely, he's gonna have to do something to to overtake you know R.J. Barrett because he's he's you know he was for real did his thing at Duke for that one year. Yep, number two overall pick, right or three three number three overall three. Pick. And and he should have a uh, grudge or or have an edge now because I think he was kept off those uh, yep. rookie yep. postseason awards. Um, so. He should be coming back with a different type of hunger. Yeah. And you're right. The key will be if he can hit that shot consistently because, you know, the rest of his game is is, is legit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And Good he can, motor. Yeah, he can Competitive. Competitive. Yep. Can, you know, can get to the hole, can pass, can rebound yep. you know, for his size. So, you know, we'll see. it's all about can you, can you put it in, in the basket. Absolutely. So thank you again for uh, listening to another episode of Up Next. Really appreciate the support we've been getting. Uh, keep uh, listening to the podcast. Keep following us. Keep uh, subscribing on whatever, wherever you listen to your podcast, whatever uh, medium, whether Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, all that good stuff. Um, follow us on, his, on Instagram at UpNextPod. And follow us on Twitter at UpNext underscore pod. And uh, you know, we can keep giving you the information you're looking for and some great content. Peace. No limits in the sky. Go ahead and take your shot. This one is for the city. Let's show them how we rock. Coaches used to call my phone. What you doing? Just got home. Practice make them perfect. Perfect timing. Put me in my zone. 2, 3, 32. 33 like birdie 2. Time to put on for you. Your city when they never heard of you Ball player, ain't no watching from the side uh, Picking up them pieces, ain't no limits in the sky uh, Said you got up next, but gon' show them why uh, One, two, that's a three, now take your shot, ball player Bishop Lachlan, purple and gold, that's a flex uh, Collie Green, got me a scally for he left uh, Joe Cat.